This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. My guest today is Debbie Racanelli. Debbie is a therapist, parenting educator, and the author of the new book, Between Baby Dolls and Boyfriends, How to Successfully Navigate Your Daughter's Tween Years. Hi, Debbie. Welcome to Family Confidential. Hi, Annie. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. You know, tweens are my thing, have always been. And I was so delighted when I heard about your book and I wanted to get you on. And I was intrigued as I was reading it when you were talking about the fact that your daughter had been taking notes, you said, uh, since she was nine. And that struck me as great because I always kind of say that when I was growing up, I was taking mental notes about my mom's parenting. So <laughs> tell me... <laughs> What kind of notes did Kendall take? <laughs> did she get? Did she share them with you first? Well, she did. Um, some of them were kind of her own thoughts about almost more um, like a journaling fashion, where she, you know, just thoughts about different things she was starting, different uh, grades and friends and things. And then I, I kind of had the idea. I had the book on my heart for a while, um, and knowing that she wouldn't remember, you know, back to the early ages of being a tween. I sort of gave her some prompts so that she could, uh, we could look back and compare. So for instance, I, uh, when she was nine or 10, I said, write down what a perfect day for you would look like. And uh-huh. then I, I did the same thing when she was 12 so that I could see uh, the evolution of the years and how she'd grown. Well, that's, that's so astute. Now, I know you're a psychologist. Um, do you work with tweens in your practice? Uh, I do. I sort of have run the gamut. Um, I, I tend to be, uh, I've taught parenting classes. So a lot of that was toddler based. Uh, when I was in private practice, my every, the uh, group that gravitated more toward me or was referred to me more were the tweens and teens. And I think that's because the frustration level of parents is pretty high at that age. So it is, it's a really tricky time as you know. And, um, it's almost as if it's a new phenomenon, even talking about this term, tweens. We talked about childhood, and we always talked about teenhood, and now we've got this kind of interim phase. Um, emotionally and psychologically, how would you define the tween years? Oh, gosh. I think, um, well, the, the thing that I noticed from a parenting standpoint is that that's the time when we sort of let our breath out. We are done with the hyper supervising of the early years. And so we see that they're more independent and, Mm -hmm. and appreciating that independence from us. Um, And so we tend to let them try to fly on their own. And we find out quickly that they lack a lot of the skills to be able to do do that effectively. Right. So then you have to inhale again, get a second wind, so to speak, um, to help them through this period. You know, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to, fifth grade and sixth grade, it seemed like for me, and I, and I have a daughter and a son as well. Um, but those times, it was like there was an awakening, especially in the area of, of social awareness, um, where you fit in with your peers, um, crushes, that kind of thing. And um, it can be really hard for a child to navigate that. And I'm wondering... Um, because they are moving towards independence, and, and as parents, we, we want to help them um, establish kind of a track record for making good judgment calls and also to be able to lean on us when they don't. Um, it, there seems to be a balancing act with parenting tweens in terms of how much you allow them in terms of independence and how much you're still um, influencing in them and supporting them. What, what do you have to say about that balancing act? 
Oh, I agree with you 100% that it's it's such a hard balance. Uh, girls at that age really do, they look to their peers a lot now for acceptance. And um, I think as parents, I hear a lot about people saying that we are being overprotective or the helicopter parent. Um, and so people start to say a lot that kids need and girls need to solve their own problems, friend dramas and those things. Mm-hmm. And I agree, but what I think is that we forget that maybe no one's taught them those skills. So I think the balance comes from, yes, this is a great time for them to start showing that independence um, and good decision-making, good good values. But our job as parents is to support those efforts and above all else, to make sure they have the skills to be able to do that effectively. So important. It's one thing to say, think for yourself, stand up for her, for for her, that, that girl who's being picked on. Um, those kind of things need to have, as a precursor, the skills of, of how to communicate effectively, maybe even how to calm yourself down so that you can make better choices in those mm-hmm. peer-infused moments. I agree. <laughs> So, um, you know, one thing in your book that really struck me is, is you, you mentioned um, a vision board um, or a mission statement for, um, for a parent to kind of help a daughter do what? Well, I love the idea of doing a vision board or a mission statement because... Maybe you should I define think, it first. Sure. Um, a mission statement, I think a lot of us have we're aware of those, you know, a company that you work for probably yeah. has a mission statement. Most schools have a mission statement. Uh, just sort of defining the the core values that you have and the goals that you have, where you'd like to be and who you are. Uh, and I think that's that translates perfectly to the tween years. And similarly, a vision board uh, is pretty trendy right now. And that's just taking that, you know, creativity um, allows them to use clippings or pictures or anything that uh, helps them define the character traits that they admire, the personality traits that they admire, uh, who they want to be as a person. So putting something like that together, I think helps just give a foundation for what kind of person they're going to be. Because, I, you know, I think as parents, we do have values and we have morals and we, of course, have all these things that we want for our girls to develop or to have. But in our busy lives, I think sometimes we forget to define them for our girls and, you know, to lay them out and to, to really help girls see that every day, that this is the kind of person that I want to be and here's how I'm going to get there. So it's literally a picture. Maybe you get a a large piece of cardboard and you go through some magazines um, and you, or, or find pictures online and print them out and, and actually kind of make a collage. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. Yep. And again, their creativity, you know, a lot of girls love the, uh, you can all over the internet, there's kind of the wallpaper, the different things with inspirational sayings. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of girls really resonate with those. So to, to print those out, write them out yourself, uh, decorate them however they like. Girls are pretty crafty like that sometimes. So to really put something together that speaks to them. And then there it is. Could be on a wall in your room, could be um, next to your bed, first thing you see in the morning, last thing you see. And it's just kind of, sounds like a really wonderful kind of affirmation or reminder. This is, this is the girl I would like to be. Right. And then going back to what we said before, that we, uh, we want to support girls in being able to learn the skills that are necessary to make good choices independently. 
having this basis to look at every day to remind them or, you know, if they're having conflict with friends or if they have a, a decision to make, to be able to have that reminder right there that mm-hmm. is what I'm doing, supporting what my vision is. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a really hard time. It's probably always been a hard time in terms of, you know, changes in hormones and, and you know, body changes. And then and there's the friendship changes and relations at home, maybe between siblings and with parents. I mean, <clears throat> this is really a transitional time. And yet I'm thinking that even now for 21st century girls, um, this is probably harder in in different ways than the uh, developmental things that, that we all went through before social media. What do you have to say about how parents can can help them? Oh, it's, it is hard. And I know every generation says they have it the worst and um, <laughs> we but, had it the worst, right? <laughs> right. But I, I do agree. Social media has made things so difficult. Um, the impulsivity that it allows and um, being able to just say something hurtful or mean and not have to see the face of who you're saying it to. And then putting your phone down and not realizing that hurt feelings last with that person. Um, That's, that's one of the hardest things. And it's, it's so hard to keep up with. So to be able to teach girls to really that, that empathy, I think is lacking in a lot of girls. And you know, let me, let me ask you this. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute, Debbie, because I think empathy in part comes from actually looking in someone's eyes and being able to read their emotions. And here you are as an 11 year old, um, interacting with your peers and maybe some people you're close with, some people you used to be close with, but don't feel so close with anymore or Mm -hmm. total strangers. And you can't read what's going on in their face or in their eyes. And so that empathy piece, I think it makes it harder. Oh, I agree. Um, I think being able to use some examples and really clarify for girls. An example I use in the book is uh, when Kendall was in early middle school, there was a a boy, a a table of boys that were sort of messing around. um, And one boy was throwing his water bottle up in the air and another boy grabbed it and just launched it really hard right at his face. And he started to cry. He, you know, just surprised and hurt and all of that. He started to cry. Um, and smartly a teacher escorted everybody else out to recess to allow this boy to collect himself. But yeah, everybody thought, well, he's fine. He looked fine the rest of the day. Even Kendall thought, no, I don't, I don't think it bothered him at all. He was okay. He was laughing about it. So we had to have the conversation of what choice did he have? Of course he had to look like it was okay, Mm -hmm. but to really look at it from different angles. What do you think what do you think he did when he got home? Do you think that he told his parents about it and maybe got upset again? Do you think he kept it to himself and, you know, really let it fester to really delve into those things so they can realize just because someone looks a certain way or you don't see it at all doesn't mean they don't have, you know, a genuine emotion about that that really stuck with them. You know, this empathy piece is so important. I recently did a podcast <clears throat> with a woman who who is... Um, the author of a book called The Empathy Way. And, and, and in her book for children, she uses um, photos of bonobos, which are um, primates and, and very empathetic. And I'm wondering, um, maybe as parents, we could also do a better job um, 
teaching empathy about taking the point of view of, in your example, the boy who got so un- angry while he was messing around that he that he threw the bo- the water bottle. I mean, so right. the other person's point of view um, as well, what might have been going on with him at that moment? And, and how can we do a better job teaching our daughters, for example, um, how to manage those impulsive behaviors that might seem like a joke at the time, but could do harm. Exactly. Right. And I think, again, because this is the age where peer acceptance is so important, um, a lot of girls will try to look like everything's fine or, Mm. you know, they they really try to mask their emotions. But um, as you said, to be able to point out that there are emotions behind there, what take it a few steps back, what prompted this, what was the result of that? And to to really look at that. So I have a question for you, and it and it, it comes to mind um, from emails that I often get from moms of, of tweens where they they want to talk to their daughters. They have a sense there is something going on behind the I'm fine, um, but what they're getting from daughter is, I don't want to talk about it, mom, or leave me alone, or it's okay, I'm fine mm-hmm. in that way that, you know, you know they're not fine. Right. Um, what tips for parents can you give? Um, that will help them kind of maybe peel back the um, the mask of I'm fine and, and really help them connect with their daughters during this time when they really need to connect with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's several different ways to go about it. And it girls have such different personalities. Some really sure. do try do shut down and it's very hard nuts to crack and some, you know, are a little easier to, to get at. I think most importantly, to establish that you are an okay person to talk to, um, that if they come to you with a problem, you're not going to just launch into, well, here's what you need to do, A, B, C, and D, um, that you you hear them. Even just, mm-hmm. you know, if they are telling you about something that happened, not offering a solution right away, just really letting them know, I hear you. I hear the emotion behind it. I, I get it. Um, and then also being able to sort of, it feels sneaky sometimes, but sometimes when my daughter Kendall, for example, if she tells me something that I, it's just really getting under my skin, I know I need to be teaching her a lesson there, but I don't want to develop that pattern of always launching into a lesson. Mm -hmm. I'll sort of make a note of it later. uh, And we have on our kitchen table, we call it the topic basket. And I'll, if she tells me something that's going on with friends, and I don't want to comment right then because I just want to be supportive of her. I'll later kind of develop a topic around that to pull it out. So maybe something like um, who had, you know, who at school was the most upset today? Um, and why do you think that was? And so it's not around a specific thing right then, but she will be able to think back. You know, it starts to build a pattern of, here's the issues you're facing and let's talk about how to handle them in a non-threatening way. What, I, I love it. And is Kendall able to create a topic and put it in the basket when she wants to talk to you about something? Um, I've told her she's more than willing to. I think she, one of the topics she would probably say is let's do less topics at the table, but <laughs> she has her moments. Sometimes she really likes them and I'll throw silly ones in there too. So it's not always, uh-huh. uh, you know, so heavy. Um, but yeah, that's actually a great idea that, you know, to encourage girls to be able to 
If you have something that you don't really want to talk about right now, but maybe throw it in there, we'll talk about it later. And then also just leave a lot of quiet time. Um, I find that if girls are peppered with questions, sometimes they're quicker to shut down. So sure. if you're able to, you know, just say, hey, help me cook dinner and try to be as quiet as you can, I think you'll be surprised at how often they will slowly just bring something up if they yeah. are given the space. I think they definitely do need the the, the space to talk and um, to have, as you say, on the part of mom and or dad, a, um, an open heart and an open mind so that it feels like really um, it's okay for me to bring this up. Maybe they don't want a solution per se. They really just want to kind of um, bounce things off of you or, or figure out for themselves how they feel. You know, I got an email recently from um, a 13-year-old who was, um, who'd just been asked out by some guy that she's liked for a long time. And who knows what that might mean because it it might mean that um, <laughs> they've just acknowledged we like each other, but right. they're actually, you know, not planning to go anywhere out. <laughs> but right. um, she really was, she was very happy and she really wanted to share this joy with her mom, but she was afraid. She was afraid because she wasn't sure what her mom would say about daughter having a quote unquote boyfriend. So um, can we just segue a little bit into into the, the crushes and, and the boyfriend girlfriend zone and um, some tips for parents because this is a time of awakening for their kids and, and maybe they think, oh, dating is years down the road, but maybe maybe it, it may be closer in the minds of their daughters than it is. How can, how can parents be sensitive and supportive in this area for tweens? This is a tricky one. Um, I think if you have the luxury of seeing it coming, uh, you know, when they hit the early tween years to sort of establish before they're boy crazy or having a lot of crushes, um, just sort of bring up the guidelines of, you know, in our house, you don't, you don't date until this age or whatever. Um, if they do have a crush, you're right. A lot of times if they say, oh, you know, so-and-so asked me out and we're boyfriend, girlfriend now, parents might freak out and launch into, you better not do this. You better not do that. Um, and that shuts them down really quickly. So to yeah. be able to uh, just say, well, you know, tell me what you like about him. T you know, ask a lot of ah, questions. I like that because then, then you're really helping your daughter build some standards for, um, you know, what makes someone worthy to be my friend? You know, I always tell girls the word friend is in boyfriend and girlfriend right. for a reason. Right. I like what you just said. What do you like about him? Okay. Yeah. I really get them, you know, to open up about it. Oh, and mom, he's cute. Right. Yes. I'm sure that would be number one on the list and maybe the only thing on the list. But yeah, to to start that discussion and let them know that, you know, you know, this is exciting for them and you get that. And then that would be a great opportunity at that time to just ask those questions. And then maybe that's something for the topic basket to start saying, you know, what does it look like to have a boyfriend and also to, to do more in what they can do than they can't. Oh, good. I like uh, that. So instead of saying you can't go anywhere with him, you can't kiss him, you can't, you know, to to say, you know, what kind of things can you do at this age with a boyfriend? Can you uh, can you text him? Can you call him on the phone? Uh -huh. Can he write you a, a note or, you know, just so that it's a little more positive on the what like you can that. do instead of what you can't. That's really good. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. Parents get scared. 
right in the, in that area and and so all of a sudden it's like okay let me lay down the law no yep. no 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 it's like welcome to the park here's what you can't do exactly <laughs> enjoy <Yep>. yourself <laughs> right yes because it catches us off guard a lot it's happening earlier and earlier so certainly i mean sometimes it's easier said than done you instantly go into panic mode but yeah. if you can sort of take a step back and um you know share that excitement with her yeah. she's going to be able to bring up a lot more things with you I love that that phrase, share the excitement with her, because it is a really exciting time. Sure. Um, and, and all of tweenhood is a really exciting time. Yes, fraught with lots of changes, but not necessarily all bad. Right. And, and, and having that positive spin, um, because actually, when you really think about it, this is a new chapter of your parenting relationship with your child. And, and um, it is very exciting to think about how they're developing in terms of um, what they can think about, how they express mm-hmm. themselves, all that stuff. Very yeah, good. it can be a lot of fun. It can be a lot of fun. Good, good. It's not like, oh, the tween years. It's like, yay, my daughter's a tween. Exactly. <laughs> Positive, all yeah. good. Um, we have just a couple of minutes, Debbie, and I, I want to give you an opportunity to let our viewers and listeners know where they can find out more about your book and about your work. Oh, thank you. Um, the book is available on Amazon um, as both a paperback and a Kindle. And I do have a website. It's betweenbabydollsandboyfriends.com. Um, and there's a link to the book there, but I also write a, a pretty weekly blog on different subjects, some that relate to what I've written about in the book and some things that I just, you know, come up or I didn't have room for in the book or just a lot of the different things. Cause there's so many aspects to being a tween. That's great. Thanks again for your time, Debbie. This has been really fun. And, um, I hope the parents who's listening maybe have, um, little more sense of confidence and encouragement about way they can support their tween daughters. I hope so too. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a good one. You too. This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential. To learn more about my work with tweens, teens, and parents, visit AnnieFox.com and check out my parenting book, Teaching Kids to Be Good People, and my new book for tween girls, The Girls Q&A Book on Friendship, 50 Ways to Fix a Friendship Without the Drama. Family Confidential Podcast is produced by Electric Egg Plant, creators of books and apps for parents, kids, tweens, and teens. And tune in next week when my guest will be Dara Chadwick, author of You'd Be So Pretty If, teaching our daughters to love their bodies even when we don't love our own. Until next time, happy parenting. Happy parenting.